This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, it's an unwanted date with fate as DI relegation number eight. And United take a dander to have a look at Xander. Hello and welcome to Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie and podcasting beside me today are Alan Temple. Hello. George Cran. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello everyone. I've got that out there. Oh, a wee bit of housekeeping first. Um, former Dundee United star and manager Raymond McKinnon hasn't been very well in the last week or so. I've actually been in touch with him. He insists he's doing fine. But even so, everybody here, I'm sure, wishes him all the best and a speedy recovery. Absolutely. Yep, all the best, right? 100%. Uh, top man, top man. Moving across the road. Let's look at Dundee, George. And we, we need, it's, I was thinking coming in, it, it, it's it's getting too depressing. We need to cheer everybody up. We need to be positive. And I mean, look at this week. 59 years ago, Dundee were in a semi-final of what was then the European Cup. All these years later, they're still getting a mention at the same stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just because just they happen to be playing uh, football. My mate uh, WhatsApped me, other social <laughs> media devices mate. are available, WhatsApped me during the Villarreal game and said, is that Schenk playing in goal for Villarreal? <laughs> <laughs> and also, again, to try to be positive, this weekend could see Dundee set a new record that they already hold. Because they could get relegated from the Premier League for the eighth time. Is that a record? I, I didn't even know uh, that. I, I, I didn't know that. I, I've, uh, I, I, something that I have to hold my hands up to. It's remiss of me having worked and covering Dundee for all these years, but they actually hold the record already for seven relegations there's, from the Premier League. I've got to jump on the positive side of that, Tom. If you've been relegated eight times, then there's a good chance I must hold the record for being promoted. Good, ah, they're good at getting promoted, <laughs> eh? <laughs> I've turned that one right on its head. Well, <laughs> well done, Bear. Could, yeah. it, could, could they not just be Bolton and stay in the Premier League? <laughs> no, 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 that'd, yeah, that'd be cheesy. Bear's just stopped every Dundee <laughs> fan listening from tuning out, so cheers for that. You've salvaged this podcast. <laughs> the, the, the most positive, well, not the most, uh, a positive thing is it's almost over. <laughs> <laughs> there's, an, there's only one week to go. Um, and we can look forward to promotion. <laughs> there is still a wee chance. St Johnston were really bad on Saturday. That's the only hope I, I have left. It's, it's Dundee's, Dundee's run Johnson surely can't not, keep going. The hope that's coming from St Johnston's for, and the way it looks now, Arbroath or Inverness Cali, although Patrick might have something to say about mm. that. That's, yeah. I mean, it, it can be confirmed this weekend if St Johnston win and Dundee don't. Um, it will be confirmed. But they have to they have to cling on to some sort of hope that they can it would be one it'd be a Real Madrid escape, wouldn't it? Just like last year. Yes, night. it would. I'm not, I'm not sure I should be oh. linking Real Madrid and Dundee together at the same why, time. But. Why not? The both will play for a half. It's just that Real Madrid play the second half and win. <laughs> yeah. I, it was pretty much the same at Aberdeen as it is the St. Johnson game. As you say, they started off really well, created some really good chances, should have scored, should have been ahead. Joe Lewis was in the way, played really well. Um, and then Dundee kind of tired 
I'm sure we'll get onto the the Charlie Adams substitution and what kind of fell out from that. But um, Aberdeen took complete control of the second half, and Aberdeen weren't particularly good either. I must say that they were quite open, and and Dundee got after them really well in the first half, but fell away second half. Aberdeen took control. Dundee still had some chances in the second half, uh, couldn't score, and then it was kind of summed up the season. Um, that whole game, they conceded it was a soft penalty. It was. But it's difficult to argue it wasn't a penalty I think on the balance of it it probably wasn't but in Dundee's situation like those go against you Dundee. was there not a tackle just it before that some, looked like a penalty yeah, as well and maybe the that's jam, the McKenzie the one. A bit. yeah the McKenzie one was definitely more of a penalty absolutely and it, Paul McGowan said after the game that that's just what's happening with Dundee this season um, as I say they still Mathematically and with the games they've got left, they can still get out of it, but they need at least seven points, probably. Which six points. unfortunately led led to Mark McGee having to go to the play the playoff quarter final for Hill the other night. Uh, he, he looked he looked glum when the camera showed him, and it's uh, had sympathy with him. It looked like one of those where he knows that folk are going to see him and say, what is he doing here? He's, <laughs> he's still got to do his job yeah. while it's mathematically a possibility, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think so. But Bear is, I mean, it's, it is very much the story of Dundee's season that they the often start games well, but they just can't keep it going, can they? It seems to be. It doesn't. I mean, you're absolutely spot on with that. They have periods in games where they're... Even in the in the sort of the short term, going back just a, a few weeks, all the games they seem to, they seem to do relatively well for periods, but then the fall right out of games, damn mm-hmm. it, that, that's the and it can't. You, you think that well, surely it's not down to fitness. These guys have got to be trained to, to a point at this at this point in the season. They should be fit enough to yeah, get, well, get through the ninety minutes. I, and there is a couple of things you could point at. They've got one or two players who are the wrong side of thirty. Uh-huh. Do tiring games. But I think that's also. Then the they ca- came back at Aberdeen. They came back against. You know, yeah, no, you're sports. right. You're you're absolutely right, George. But I think it's also the case that, that when they, they do have a few players, I've spoken about Max Anderson in the past, who just completely drifts out of games. And I think that maybe there's one or two others as well. Tom, you're not going to dominate games for entire ninety minutes. That's never going to happen no. in football. But it's the periods that you're not dominating when the opposition maybe have the ball that are probably the toughest. You've got to still do a job on the opposition and Dundee just don't seem capable of doing that, unfortunately, at this uh, this stage. And as you can see, that there's not much in games, but, you know, they just kind of win a game. And, you know, Matt McGee is, you know, coming up for 11 matches, 10 in the league. I'm just seeing what George has got on his notes here. <laughs> Thank you very much, George. Um, he's tried everything. He's tried everything, you know. He, he's got at the top, don't read I, alone. Yeah, I think... I, he's looked at the defence, he, he, he's shuffled the defence, he's shuffled the formation, he's tr- in midfield he's shuffled things about, he's, he's, he's tried most of the forwards, but nothing has come up trumps. Nothing has come up trumps and, you know, I, I think George said in his column this weekend to tell you, they're in the, they're in the last chance saloon again, <laughs> again this weekend, but it really is, isn't it, George? And yeah. There's two things that have got to happen. First and foremost, Dundee have got to win. They've got to win. And they've, got to, ho- and they've, they've got to hope... That St Johnston lose. I wouldn't it be so as low if Dundee finally found a winner St Johnston who have already beaten Livingston at Livingston this season. Yeah. Go and get a result. So it's it's hard to see how they get out of it, Tom. And, and you know, we're doing our best to keep the Champions League 
<laughs> going on this podcast. You start at the time, right at the very top of the show, but it would be a, a Real Madrid-esque <laughs> escape of Dundee manager, I think, yeah. But, I mean, Alan, you're looking at it from a wee bit further away. If you're preparing a team to play Dundee, it's one of the things you say before you send your team out. If I have a good spell, hang in there, because it won't last. Yeah. And I, teams know that now. I was listening to what the guys are saying there, and as well as the footballing aspects of it, the fitness, the tactics, and you know, discussing individual players, there also has to be a mentality stage at this point. As Bear says, there are points in games where each team dominates, each team is on the ascendancy. And Dundee, their players are quite clearly thinking at this stage, we won't navigate those times when we're under the cosh, and can we score when we're ahead? It, it doesn't seem that way. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you fail to win so many games, when you concede sloppy goals, the moment the other team goes forward, having previously done well in games, you start to think you'll do it again. The confidence seeps away. That's that's what momentum's all about. It's a word we throw about all the time, particularly at this stage of the season with playoffs coming up and teams going for Europe, teams fighting against relegation, all that sort of stuff. Momentum's so vital. And that's what it is. It's that mentality aspect. It's that strength and standing up when you're perhaps under the caution games, when you're perhaps not having as much of the ball. And that's where Dundee have failed. Nobody's suggesting they've been catastrophically bad for 90 minutes in every game that they've not won, but they've not won them for a reason. And it's a combination of, of all those things. But you can't underestimate, I don't think, how, how much it's a perhaps become a mentality issue and how much it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. They'll never admit it, but other players in that dressing room that just don't think that they will win football matches at the moment. And perhaps the, the cruel answer would be yes. And George, I mean, it seems as obvious as the nose on our faces that age is a factor as well. And Charlie Adam, if he doesn't last 90 minutes, it's a problem for Dundee. Mm -hmm. But he didn't, and you can understand at 36 why he doesn't last 90 minutes, but he didn't seem too happy about not getting the chance. <laughs> no, he uh, kind of threw his arms in the air and stormed into the dugout a wee bit. Um, that, uh, well, from what I hear, there was a bit of a misunderstanding, I think. He hadn't been feeling too too well before the game. Uh, and I think that's why he got taken off, but I don't think it was particularly discussed with him, by, with the management, that that was going to happen. And considering last week Mark McGee was at pains to say that he couldn't take Charlie Adam off because he was too important, even though Adam was clearly uh, tired in that uh, St Johnston game, he took him off for 40 minutes to go in a game that was nil-nil, that Dundee had created chances and done quite well. So you can understand why there was a bit of shock and a bit of surprise that that, that happened. Um, Mark McGee's... Reaction after the game, I don't think helped the situation at all either. Um, he was very angry with the BBC, which um, that reporter can do that to people, uh, <laughs> I would say. Um, <laughs> but then he... Controversial. <laughs> so um, we're asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> but then he came in and spoke to us and he was very angry with us as well. Um, you can do that to people as well. To no, well, <laughs> I, was, I was just asking if Charlie was injured. <laughs> I thought it was a fairly straightforward question. He didn't want to. Well, he answered it and then said, I don't want to talk about Charlie Adam anymore. And he hasn't wanted to talk about it since. Um, so I, I don't think it's gone down well with the manager. And it's not something you really want at this stage of the season. You don't want the manager and the captain to be on different, different hymn sheets or whatever cliche you want to use. 
Beerus, is the answer to the statement, I don't want to ch- talk about Charlie Adam anymore, is, well, com- communicate a bit better with him then, because if Charlie Adam's not happy at getting taken off, people are going to ask why. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Charlie Adam, what I've seen this season, he's not got 90 minutes in his legs, Tom, and most games, rightly so, he has come off after 70 minutes, all against St. Johnston when he played for... There's was knackered at the end, yeah. It, the, the final 20 minutes, the game was going by him, but he was left on in the hope that he could produce the one moment of magic, which Charlie yeah. has got in his locker. Yes. That's can, that can get them a result. I can understand why he was left on, but the vast majority of time, he's a, he's a 60-70 minute man, so he went off after 52 minutes, I think it was, at yeah. Tawdry. So, in realistic terms, you really only had about another, you know, 8 to 10 minutes left <laughs> in the tank anyway, so... I, th- I, I, yeah. don't, I, can, I can understand why the Martin should just answer the questions but at the I end th- of the day it's the manager the manager makes the call turn. Yeah, yeah. I th- the captain's yeah. a captain but the manager makes the call well, Charlie I, can I, throw I, his hands up yeah exactly I know, I, I'm sure Charlie said that as well at that point Aberdeen was very much on top and Dundee had Paul McGowan and Charlie Adam in the, in the centre midfield I think it was the right call to put some legs on uh, I wasn't expecting it to be Charlie to come off, though, I have to, I have to say. The situation becomes more about the manager's reaction to it all than the actual so. decision yeah, yeah. itself. Like Mark McGee's been in this game for so long that he should be able to deal with simple questions about a talking point with far, more, with, <laughs> with, far Sorry, more, with far more professionalism. He understands that the press are just doing their job. Yeah. He's been dealing with them doing their job for... You've forty years now, you know. So I think that's the that's the issue, you know. Just as Mark McGee was doing his job by taking Charlie Adam off and feeling like he made the right decision, the press are only doing their job mm-hmm. when they ask about that decision. Charlie Adam's the most high-profile player Dundee have got. Of course, it's a talking point. So Mark McGee should be better in that situation, and, and he's made it a top more mm-hmm. of a talking point than it needed to be. Probably, I think so. I think he could, even if he didn't like the reaction, I think he still could have. He can. You can turn it a wee bit and say, oh, but he showed the, the attitude I want to see from players. Yeah, one hundred percent stuff. So that, they is, could is, use. Is that there also quite an easily. issue here though about taking Charlie Adam off and, and looking at the future, whether it's for half an hour in a game or whether it's ninety minutes every game because he's no longer at the club next mm. season. This season in particular, maybe a bit last, they've never actually found a way of. There's a problem when they take Charlie Adam off. When he's when his legs go mm-hmm. and he has to come off, they're nowhere near as effective. They're nowhere near as good. And and both James McPake and now Mark McGee have struggled to find a way to deal with that because the the team is a much lesser team without him. Yeah, well, they've not won again this season without him playing a, a significant role. So no. yeah, it's no one that many with him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and as you say, we don't know if he'll still be there next season. It is a massive, and it, even if he is there, it's going to be a year older. And how, how much he'll be able to play anyway? Whether he'll be able to play yeah. every week or in the, the, there's been a, quite a few injuries this season as well. Yeah, it's because just happens. Of his age probably. Yeah. But I mean, as I think, beer isn't it? They haven't. They haven't really had a plan no. of what to do it's, when it, it reached that point in the game where, yeah, understandably, he could. Uh, have to come off. Yeah, it's, it's quite staggering, Tom, that that's the case. I mean, we've, we've seen early doors in this campaign that he's been so pivotal to Dundee. It's quite staggering that they've not managed to win a game when he's not actually been on the park. Hmm. And, you know, even the majority of their points, I think they've only collected a couple of points. George, I you think would, so, you yeah. correct me. I need to check, but I, it's, it's, too. I think it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And 
You know, that should have been addressed, certainly in the transfer window. It should have been addressed last summer time. Yeah. It should have had a player of quality who could come in and do a similar sort of role. Because I think Charlie, Charlie Adam makes the entire Dundee team better when he plays. As soon as he gets on that ball, he brings other players into play. He brings the wide men into play. He brings, he brings you know, his, his passing quality as such that they got up the park. He's able to hold the ball and they get a, a foothold in games when maybe they've not had a foothold in games. And his experience gets him through it. But he's never, at 36, he's never going to be able to play every week and and play for 90 minutes every game. And it's also a fact that Charlie Adam is not a shrinking violet. You know, he doesn't hang back in games, so he's going to yeah. pick up injuries. He gets stuck into them, so he's going yeah. to pick mm -hmm. up injuries as well. So Suspensions. Yeah, it's it's well, yeah, he's good to get. Did he get booked on Saturday? No, no, no. It's, it doesn't matter now. If he gets booked, it's yeah, next, so next season that kicks in. So. He's got himself. He can get as many bookings as he wants now. But, I mean, Alan, we've, we've, a couple of times already uh, today, we've quite rightly compared Dundee and Real Madrid because they're two, <laughs> two clubs that you come in the same breath. But, but on, on a serious point, you can look at right up at the top level at, at Real Madrid and what Ancelotti does with his older players is when they're coming off, the players that are coming on maybe don't have the experience, but what they do have is legs. They run, they're fit, they're strong. They get they get about the other team. So it's not really rocket science. And is it a bit of a, uh, as I say, for for both managers, is it being a bit of a glaring sort of error that they haven't had someone that can come on and say, well, at least get about the opposition and run and don't give them time to play and, because we might not have as much of the ball when Charlie's not in the park. But it, it, it seems to be almost a shrug of the shoulders when Charlie Adam comes off that they're like, oh, well, we're not, we're not really going to be as good, are we? I think it's difficult because in order to get a team that functions around Charlie Adam and that is built around him, you need to play a certain way tactically. Um, and then when Charlie Adam comes off, by definition, you then need to play a completely different mm. way because you don't have anyone with... I mean, let's not be cruel. Look at Charlie Adams' career. You probably don't have anyone with 50% the natural talent that Charlie Adams got. So you have to change everything. The difference with Real Madrid, and I can't believe we keep going back to this, <laughs> is that they're bringing on... They wear white tops they're, and they wear blue. Apart they're, from that, I don't see any difference. You know, for all, Rodrigo might not be starting games. He's a Brazilian wonder kid. You know, so <laughs> the the drop-off is not what the drop-off is at, at Dundee. And it's exceptionally difficult not to only bring off Charlie Adam and bring someone else on, but then the tactical Good alteration... Point, Dundee aren't playing Manchester City and Chelsea and PSG. <laughs> no, I realise it's all relative, but it's, yeah, it's the tactical alterations and that are required mid-match to go from a team built around a player like Charlie Adam to not having Charlie Adam in the team is, is clearly something that Dundee have struggled with and it'll be a big question that they have to ask themselves next season is, you know, could... Could Dundee perhaps be a better consistent 11 but not have the individual talent of Charlie Adam in their side? That's the, I guess that's the question that the club will be wrestling with and maybe even Charlie will be wrestling with as he considers his next step. And George, to try to be positive, young Harry Sharp, despite, despite us saying don't put him in, <laughs> <laughs> last week he came in at Aberdeen, uh, did well again, could solve a problem for them going ahead. I think so. I th I th we were talking about experience, weren't we, and, and maybe not throwing them into that kind of relegation battle, but th there was no choice because Ian Lawler uh, was ill 
on the, the very morning of the game. Um, apparently, well, he was, he was on the bus going up and uh, he just wasn't, he was nowhere near fit enough to play. He just was not feeling well at all. And it looks like he did, he's probably going to be out for the Simburn game as well this weekend. But Harry Sharp was excellent, I thought. Uh, Barrow know more than me about the goalkeeper, but he was very assured, dealt yeah. with everything. In-depth analysis. Yeah. <laughs> Dealt with everything that, that came his way. He made an excellent save in the second half to, to deny, deny Ramirez. That looked like a goal. As soon as it went to Ramirez, I thought, here's, here's the opening goal, and he, he stopped that. It was unfortunate that his clean sheet was spoiled by a penalty. He, he didn't have much chance with that. Um, but he, he, he looked like he's, even though it's only been a month and the He's only played a few games. It, it looks like he's grown already be between the last time we saw him in the team and this game. It, it really, it's too early to say he came of age, but he looked, he didn't look out of place at all in the Dundee goal and he looked very sure to me. And before we turn Tangerine, Tim Keyes took in another game. Mm -hmm. What's he saying to you, John? <laughs> nothing. Has he not phoned you? No. I've asked again, but no, nothing. Nothing coming back. Why come if, at this time if you're not prepared to speak? I guess he just came up for the games. I guess that's all he's interested in. I don't know. Well, is he is he back in America yet? Yeah, I think he flew straight back. So basically after the game on the morning after the game. So what the owner thinks about the current predicament, nobody knows. Do I've asked for a call or a Zoom or whatever but I there's been nothing coming back so. I think again I go back to last week I think it would be good even if it was just in-house TV interviewing him and just hearing Some what he's got to website, say yeah. yes just hearing what he's got yeah. to say and what his thoughts are on where Dundee are at at this point in time I know John Nelms is there but he doesn't speak very often as well I know he's spoken in the past but it'd be good to hear what Tim Keyes has got to say mm. Yeah, I think so. is, that another, is that another thing nobody's nobody's having a pop at him no. I'm, not, I'm not being no, no. overly it would just be nice to know, to know what he thinks and and and, and he actually when Tim Key speaks people usually have a favourable reaction mm -hmm. to him because they do appreciate what yeah. he's done for the club the stability he's brought the money he's put in and it, it's it's really a thing it's not it's not a you've got to say this you've got to say that you've got to defend yourself people are just interested aren't they? Oh, yeah I think so but there's no nothing coming back so well that's that then we'll just move on <laughs> Right, Alan, United, you've got your passport looked out. You're ready for Europe after a crucial win over Motherwell. Absolutely. That harrowing passport photo that we've all got. It's uh, dusted off. And you speak for yourself, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's very distinguished. <laughs> I can only imagine. Still get hair and everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, Three chins ago. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's looking good for Dundee United. It wasn't. Absolutely vintage at the weekend, but they got the job done. Uh, we said that Motherwell are pretty ordinary side, and I think they proved that at Tanadice. They had a couple of chances. They hit the woodwork in the first half, but fundamentally, Dundee United had enough to see them off and get a vital goal and push through and get a, a really pivotal three points. Um, there were some real bright spots uh, in the performance as well. Dylan Levitt was outrageously good, and Archie Mikkelsen gave them something they've really been missing. Uh, attacking midfielder that is intelligent, picks pockets between the lines, looks to make forward passes, exactly what they've been lacking recently. So, um, yeah, they now have a four-point gap over Motherwell. So it's uh, with only nine points left to play for, 
it would take an almighty collapse for Motherwell to overtake them because fundamentally fourth and fifth place gets into Europe, so they would need to slide back down to sixth to miss out. So it would be an, an almighty collapse if um, if they were to do it. Difficult games against the old firm coming up in quick succession, but really, if they, if they even took a point from these two games, would that probably be enough? Absolutely, and it's a, it's an interesting time to be playing Rangers and Celtic as well. You know, you could argue it's almost the perfect time because Rangers are going to be three days after the biggest game they've played in 14 years, arguably. And if they go through, obviously, listeners will probably know the scoreline of their match against RB Leipzig tonight. Um, as we record, I, I think they'll be listening to this with sound, <laughs> and watching the game with the sound off. So, but you can. There's a, a real argument that, regardless of what way that result goes, the, uh, the Dundee United on Sunday will not be a priority to Rangers. The Rangers will either have lost, and the season will be boiling down to a Scottish Cup final, and Rangers will be devastated at crashing out of Europe, but so close to a major final, or Rangers will have gone through to the Europa League final. And they will not be caring a jot about playing Dundee United on Sunday. They might play their under-12s, particularly if Celtic won on won, uh, the weekend and effectively sealed the title. So it's uh, if you're going to be talking about a good time to be playing Rangers, then this Sunday probably falls into that category. And likewise, will Celtic be in party mood when they arrive in Tan at Tanadice? You know, they will look to, obviously one in front of what will be a big travelling support. But in terms of the 90 minutes on the football pitch, there's an argument that says... Dundee United should want that more. It is. It will be a more important game in footballing terms to Dundee United than it will be to Celtic. So I think if you look at you know those two games over those period of days, then Dundee United should be looking at it and thinking, why not? You know, if any time, then this is the time. Yeah, and bear. I mean, whatever happens to Rangers, a European semi-final is a draining win-loser draw, which obviously you can't draw a semi-final over the whole thing. It's a draining experience, so it is maybe a good time for United to get Rangers. Yeah, I think Alan's hit the nail on the head. I mean, if there's any any good time, I suppose Alan, Alan's ex explained it all there. Rangers' minds will be elsewhere, I think, uh, after tonight's game. Um, does it make it any easier when you're playing the old firm? You know that there's always pressure on the old firm to win games wherever they're playing. It could be a friendly match, whatever. They always expect, the fans always expect. But will the, the intensity level be there on uh, the weekend when they play Dundee United? I think, just going back to the weekend there, Dundee United, that win was pivotal. That was a massive win in, in the, the context of the whole top six argument. Um, beating Motherwell, what did they get? What did they do well, Tom? They got back to clean sheets. Yeah, That's, yeah. You've got to say that. And we've been, That's we've been, been, strength, we've been a bit it? critical of... Benjamin Seagrist on here. Well, I've not, but some people have saying he's maybe you know he's, Name he's, he's made a few mistakes. But Is it me? Uh, I no, I think remember. we just I think we just felt <laughs> that maybe his standards had dropped and maybe they have. But he, yeah. he proved again on Sunday why he's rated so highly uh, last week uh, Saturday against Motherwell. I should say why he's rated so highly, and that was that goes along with the defence as well. They, they performed the way they did throughout the start of the campaign when they were regularly racking up clean sheets and winning games by the odd goal. Again, Levitt was outstanding. You're right. Alan, um, and he will be a big miss next season if they, if they can't get him to come back to Tannadice. But will he be a well, big miss next season? And I mean, one of the things that wins maybe given Tam Court the luxury of is he can really start looking forward mm -hmm. to next season now, and it seems like they're going to have a go at persuading Dylan Levitt to stay. Well, I mean, I, I mean, sorry, I was just saying, for Levitt, I would say that the car is, could be European football. 
Mm. And a team that's completely built around him, yeah. which Tam basically said, you know, if you you pick up your courier today or or, or look online, you know, even Telegraph, or even Telegraph, yeah. pardon. <laughs> what did he say there? <laughs> Wash your mouth. It was something. What a family shameful, show. Isn't it? Shameful. Well, not that kind of language. There was me thinking it was a friendly merger. <laughs> 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 yes, pardon. Pick up your even Telegraph, and uh, you'll see Tam talking about, um, you know, wanting to get Dylan Levitt and. Talking about making Dylan feel wanted and making him feel at home and basically saying, yeah, I will build a team around you. And if you're Dylan Levitt, you say to yourself, I'm still only 21 years old. How many teams of the stature of Dundee United playing in European football are going to build a midfield around me? You know, that gives you a tremendous platform for even if it's one, two seasons before Dundee United can maybe look to cash in on them. I think, you know, you say to yourself baby steps think about your full career you know you could maybe be moving on when you're 23 to bigger things whether that's high-end english championship or maybe low-end english premiership it's it's i think there's a real as bear says a real carrot there for for dylan levitt but as um you know lee wilkie wrote in in his column this week in the evening telegraph in the evening <laughs> telegraph exclusively in the evening telegraph it's um uh, there will be other suitors that have noticed just how good Dylan's been this season. So, exactly. Uh, and yeah. George, a chance for you to pour some negativity on the other side of the street. <clears throat> I saw Cardiff City mentioned, uh, and that's the one big challenge. If, a, uh, if an English Championship club comes in, it's big money, a lot of money for yeah. the wage, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that's the, and United are never going to be able to compete with that, and uh, that's what's going to happen. You've got a good player who's been at Manchester United is a full international and obviously has has quality on the, on the ball there's going to be teams after him but how many he's not going to get to play in Europe in the in the English Championship he might bolster his bank balance but how many more opportunities is he going to get to play in European football and that's just something that doesn't happen to a lot of players or get that opportunity I think that's I think that's a big big carrot that United have got to be able to dangle in front of him um, so I think they've got a chance. It's, it, I think it's all up to all up to ha the player, I guess, and how he maps out his career. Whether he's he's in it to make money or if, if he's more concerned about being a good footballer. Barrett, with the Levitt one is a potential problem for United that because of the situation at Manchester United, where he's out of contract this summer, new manager coming in, it might be one that drags on and you might then miss out on alternatives because the lad is waiting to speak to the new manager to find out if he's got another year or two at yeah. Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, I, I take it he's not been told at Manchester United he won't be getting a new deal yet. No. So. no, talks are, I think he's expecting talks within the next sort of 10 to 14 days. So I think it's, yeah, there's pretty some pretty deep dive analysis going on at Manchester United as they try to pass on to the incoming coach who the, yeah, sure. you know, who he should be looking at. So it's, it's I think he's it's kind a, of in a waiting game. Isn't a wee bit optimistic given that the yeah. incoming coach is, it is. Still, yeah. still working at Ajax. Yeah. And yeah. when he does get to, even if he's at Manchester United in the next 10 or 14 days, how quick there are bigger, na there yeah. are bigger names and, to yeah, and you've deal also, with. You've also got to think, Tom. I mean, Dylan Levitt is a top, top player, but is his path open to get into that Manchester United first team no, at this no. point in time? And he's got to take that on board himself. I think he's in a very healthy position for a young man out of contract, top player. You know, he's mm. in the short window. He, as we say, but it's just what what he chooses to do. 
10 caps for Wales as well. You yes. know what I say? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're as, absolutely as you right. Say. Yeah, yeah, so... Ah, if, if he's realistic, is, is this not the time for him to move, whether yeah. it's United or somewhere else? I would like to think so. You've got... I mean, Manchester United have got Donny van de Beek out on loan at Everton. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's uh, that's a, an elite-level playmaking midfielder. So, yeah, you, you'd have to be honest and say, if Dylan Levitt did even extend his deal at Manchester United... Would it be done for the right reasons? Would it be the right yeah, well, move for him? Juan Mata's leaving, so there's a <laughs> vacancy for an unused substitute, <laughs> which was personally my favourite position. I forgot he was still there. Yeah, I know, so did I. It was only when they said, oh, he's making his last appearance. <laughs> so, so, I thought he was retired and on the pension. Yeah. If you get half of Juan Mata's contract, he'd be doing well, I'll tell you that. Uh, maybe, Alan, one transfer that they've got a better chance of completing certainly in the near future they've opened talks with Xander Clark of St Johnson mm, seems like a wise move yeah and it's one that they've been tracking for a while I think it's a, a pretty um, loosely kept secret that Dundee United are admirers of, of Xander Clark and it makes perfect sense if you're looking for an affordable quality goalkeeper that is no Scottish football that is a competent number one at this level played in European football as well then Xander Clark is top of a very short list of affordable options so it would be um, it would be madness not to seriously consider him but I would say that just like Dylan Levitt just like we've discussed I think there'll be interest from down south I'm absolutely certain of that so Xander Clark's people will be fielding a lot of interest having a lot of discussions but again European football makes it a really attractive option for Xander. He'll have had a wee taste of that, a wee taste of what that's like with St Johnston. And I think he'll fancy a second successive season at that level. And I think also he could go down south and maybe face a battle for the number one jersey, maybe make it a little bit a little bit tough. Is he guaranteed to get that spot? They're maybe not as familiar with him at the club that he goes down to. Whereas at Dundee United, if Benjamin Segrist leaves, which I think the smart money is on him going, then he is going to he's going to be Dundee United's number one. Let's not be around the bush about that. He and if he's still got Scotland aspirations, wants to keep progressing as a as a talented goalkeeper, then I think he's twenty nine now, Xander. So mm-hmm. like he can't be going somewhere and and kind of thinking, oh, I've got to fight from, well, every player needs to fight for their place, but maybe you want a, a little bit more assurance that he wants to know it's a fight you'll win. Yeah, exactly. Yes, a good way to put it. <laughs> he wants a fight for the jersey, but one that's fixed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, and, and, you know, as I say, Scotland aspirations, world, you know, going into a World Cup in 2022, does he want to relocate and do all that sort of thing when there's a World Cup potentially coming up in 2022? So, all, all that factors into making, I think, Dundee United quite an attractive option for Xander and Xander uh, from a Dundee United perspective is an absolute no-brainer if Benji goes yeah and boys it's also I mean, from my perspective the no having to move Hoos would be a big thing but that maybe is a reflection on my attitude <laughs> down the years to work but also Xander Clark's in a very good position because St Johnson I often hold them up as the model of how to run a club properly sensibly within a budget, but if there's one, well, actually, if there's two clubs that St. Johnson might push the boat out a wee bit when it comes to a new contract to stop them getting one of their players, they both start with D and finish with an D. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, I, the world, I, they know that their fans won't like yeah. a player coming to this city. Yeah, I, I, I see what Alan's saying and why it would be attractive coming to Dundee United. I'm just wondering, Xander's been in Scotland, you know, all his life. I mean, I, I saw a picture on SNS 
Uh, the other day, and it was from about 10 years ago, and it was Xander Clark at Pittori before a game. Mm. And he was a subby goalkeeper, I think, for Saints at that time, but just a young man. He never had a beard, fresh-faced youth. <laughs> and he looked well without it, I've got to say. But he's, you forget how long Xander's been up here. He's uh. obviously been out on loan. and But you forget what he's done as well, Tom. I think he's ticked just about all the boxes up here. He's got. He's been in the international right. pool. He's won the League Cup. He's won the Scottish Cup. He's played in Europe, so he's done it. Hmm. I'm just wondering, I don't know what Almost he's Almost scored the goal at yeah. Ibrox. Yeah. <laughs> Which he still claims he did. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just wondering if, if it's time for him to... I don't know what his family circumstances are. If, if he'd be looking to stay here and maybe that, that would that would turn out if he got a decent offer from Dundee United. But I'm just wondering if there's a drive inside him now to hmm. to make that switch to England. We've seen Scottish goalkeepers go down there in the past and do well. David Marshall did it. Uh, Neil Alexander, he went, he went. Craig Gordon, did Craig it? Gordon, did yeah. it, obviously Buff, injury injury. problems. Yep. That was. I Sometimes, I mean, you've got to go and take that chance. I mean, you're not going to be name number one, but sometimes you get a feel from a manager. A manager will tell you behind yeah. closed doors, you are my number one. Obviously, if you start throwing goals, and you're not going to be the, the number one. But you know, from the outset, that manager is backing you to do well, and you will get every opportunity to do that. And I think it's just what's on the, what's on the table down there. Mm. For Zander, you know. the Scotland thing might be in his mind as well because mm. he's, he's he's not managed to get in that team yet. He's obviously been called yeah, up, but yeah. he might feel that a move down south and start playing and, and for a good team down there might be the thing that pushes him over. He's not going to top Craig Gordon anytime soon, but Craig Gordon's yeah, what the wrong eight, the wrong end of his thirties, never mind twenties. So. It's almost the wrong end of his fork. <laughs> but he's still um, a marvellous goalkeeper. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I think that could be part of his thinking that maybe he just needs to change the environment that might uh, tell Steve Clark that he's ready to go in. There's going to be a chance there for a Scotland goalie to take over from Craig Gordon at some point, maybe in the next five years. Long <laughs> Craig Gordon's going to play. To blow the trumpet of uh, my home city as well, is not a bad place to play your football half a half the league each year it's a good atmosphere and god loves st johnson for all the good work they've done the one thing they they don't do is attract a big crowd that's just that's yeah. just a fact of population and maybe a wee no, bit of geography uh, as well yeah sander clark will have played at tanneries a good few times and there's <laughs> always a good atmosphere when he plays it i've also got to say tom he tends to do very well mm-hmm. at Tannadice. It must oh, be yeah. an environment that he enjoys playing. I mean, I, I remember... I'm, that 1-0 win that St. Johnson had yeah, earlier this yeah, season. Good I, grief. Ex- exactly. I remember, I'm, I'm going back to my own career here, which was in the juniors, but I signed for North End. And one of the reasons I signed for him was I enjoyed playing at North End Park when, when I played <laughs> against him. And I tended to do well at North End Park. And mm. it just, that's that coming to the the bar was <laughs> above yeah, the dressing room. That was, <laughs> <laughs> was a fact I've got to say. <laughs> But um, no, I'm, there's all these wee things. I think as well, though, he's at an age, we, we speak about he's an affordable goalkeeper for Dundee United, but it could be the case that United get blown out of the water by contract. Yeah. He has put, has put on the table for him down south and that might just that might just rule everything out, you know? Mm. I think United got a good chance, though, to be honest, for all the, all the reasons we've said. If he doesn't fancy uprooting his family and all that sort no, of stuff. Maybe so. it's better recognise the fact too Tom Courts is very very loyal to his players as well mm-hmm. me and ben- Benjamin Seagrest had a shaky couple of games a month or so ago but there wasn't there wasn't a murmur of disapproval from Tom Courts and I mean rightly so given what Seagrest but 
it's good for a player to know that yeah. if something goes wrong in a game, the axe is not going to fall because that the manager won't forget yeah. what you've done before. I also think Sander Clark's uh, he's experienced enough now to know that he will have a dips in form here and there, but he's experienced enough to carry that now, Tommy. You know, that's not going to affect him to, to, the, to the point that he does go on a, a, such a poor run that the manager has to take him out the, out the firing line sort of thing. You know, so I'll be interested to see where it goes, but um, I, I'm just wondering if the lure of England and something different will be will be too much for Zander he'll end up down there. But I mean, going back to the thing about the atmosphere at Turner, I see from George's extensive research before the programme, United have already, with this season not over, and time's very, very hard, they've already passed 4,000 season tickets for next season. They must be very pleased with that, Alan. Don't know why I'm looking at you, George. It's <laughs> all right. <laughs> Just taunting him. <laughs> no, it's... That was like a Ronaldo pass here when you look at somebody and passes it in other direction. There's no look question. <laughs> George's mouth was open, ready to accept the ball, so to speak. Tam's, Tam's, no, Tam, Tam's just cut the podcast wide open. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's a, it's a fabulous effort, you know, to sell more than 4,000 season tickets during this short loyalty period. And as you touch upon... It is such a, a tough time. It's a proper cost of living crisis at the moment. And for so many fans to be able to um, renew their season tickets is really admirable. But, you know, no more admirable than those who are maybe having to wait and hang fire a little bit and will perhaps, you know, renew in the coming weeks. Uh, you know, it's uh, everyone has to make tough decisions. And it's, you know, it's to their, their credit that so many fans have been able to make that decision and, and back the club during this period. But it should come as no particular surprise. You know, Dundee United have just sold out their away allocation for Ibrooks. They had to get an increased allocation for Ross County for the final day of the season. Um, I was going to say, I heard my sources told me just yesterday in Tesco yeah, oh, that, wow. they'd sold, that they'd sold out the initial allocation for Ross County. That's where you get all your best stuff from, isn't it, <laughs> Tesco? It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a great... Other supermarkets <laughs> aren't available because Tesco's the easiest one for me to get to. And it's a 12.15 kick-off. It's worth remembering that. So that's, it is quite the feat, and I would imagine... Yeah, it could easily have waited, couldn't it? I mean, it, it, yeah. could, be, it could be a game that yeah. nothing's at stake. No. Yeah, absolutely. So they could have waited until next week, see what, see what the two... Rangers and the Celtic results are like and Motherwell's results. But I reckon you're going to end up with about 2,300 or so um, Dundee United fans in Dingwall for that game, which will be absolutely fantastic effort. And I've got a hunch that that's still going to be alive. I've got a hunch that that's going to be a, a fourth place shootout. So it should be an absolute cracker up there. Maybe the sun will come out. And on the subject of crowds, it's only a start for them, but... Uh, the Dundee United women's team rounded off their very successful league campaign and got the trophy as they go up to the top flight. I call it the top flight because I can't remember what its official title is. But over 700 turned up at Tannerice. Yeah, I was there for that. To um, see their final game. Absolutely. Was good. It was uh, there last night and it was a fantastic occasion. I spoke to the, the head coach, Graham Hart, and the, the captain, Megan Burns, who's a a lifelong Dundee United supporter um, goes to games with her dad Billy and it's, I spoke to them before the match and I know just what that meant to them in terms of an occasion and in terms of uh, seeing that backing. It's a club record for the women's team which was only created in 2015 so their rise has been really admirable to the elite level of Scottish football now so it was a great occasion for them, colourful, vibrant, 
felt like a a proper night and it's all a it's all a process at the moment for the Dundee United's women's team um, they'll only get more support as the years go on as I say only founded seven years ago so you're still very much in this period of building awareness letting people know what they're about and um, you know there'll, there'll be some fans out there that maybe don't even realise that that's an option for them to, to go and support of a weekend so it's about getting that attention out there and um, what happened on Wednesday evening was really laudable stuff and a great occasion. And I think a lot of the fans that maybe had their, their first taste um, of of that game will perhaps be back. That's certainly the hope because there's some proper teams in that top flight. You've got a full-time Rangers, a full-time Celtic. You've got Glasgow City who are always really competitive, Hibs and Hearts um, growing. They'll all be really, really good games, really good tests for that Dundee United team. And um, when fans are, you know, able to afford it and you know have the the, the time to go there i would really recommend it because it's something that uh, is definitely a, a building arm of the the dundee united family if you'll allow me to be trite yeah <laughs> but it does show bear or georgia whoever wants to speak that if you give people a you give people a seat to watch a game you mm-hmm. can immediately boost. I mean, they're still in their infancy. Don't don't get me wrong. There's a yeah. long way to go, but but that's a few hundred more yes. than they'd usually get. Although on the other side, the problem's going to be that the groundsman ain't wanting no. to well, no. want a game every I mean, single I, week I, on I, his no. pitch. And you're right about they're in their infancy, but there's been a rapid rise in their profile over the last twelve months. I like to think we've played our, our own part in that um, here, and it could only get better next season. They're obviously in the top flight. So yeah. as Alan says, there's some really uh, there's going to really, be games worth going yeah. to see. But Alan, I mean, maybe you can. I mean, are they expecting to play their their games at Tannadice every single week? No, I don't think that's possible when you've got no. a grass pitch and everybody knows that. So be. where where did they go across the road to? Dens. I'll go down well. I think there'll be there's there's quite a lot that has to be considered still up in there at this stage because under the new the the top Scottish top flight um, is coming under the umbrella of the Scottish right. uh, the SPFL from next season and as part of that I think clubs now have to have a, an official link with the the parent men's club sure. uh, as it were whereas up until this moment. Dundee United Women's team that's been part of the community trust rather than part of the football club. So with that increased link that there has to be with Dundee United, um, I would expect naturally perhaps a little bit more attention, a little bit more support for them. And that will probably include maybe considering where's the best place to play those games. Mm-hmm. It won't obviously be at Tannadice, but what you might find is, say Rangers are coming to down, Celtic are coming to down, Glasgow City, mm-hmm. you know, real marquee games and say the men's team have two away games in a row. Why not have the you know that that yeah, one game at yeah. Tannadice? Why not you know invite season tickets along uh, holders along for free? Yeah. You know I, I would expect perhaps more initiatives like that next season. They would absolutely make sense. But in terms of a, a more permanent home, um, that's one of probably a, a few things that will, that will still be under discussion, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where they end up playing their games. Good stuff. After this, playoff surprises. We've just been speaking about problems with grass pitches. Was the biggest surprise as the playoffs got underway this week that Farhill had green stuff on it? I think I was painted on them. I wondered that. The way the ball yeah. was bobbling about yeah. was still damn. I mean, I was. Uh, I, I still looked. I I'm, still I'm going to be generous and yeah. say they managed to grow some grass, but they could have given it a roll as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the problem they've got. Um, it was not conducive to good football. I, I watched a bit of that game, um, and it was tough in the. 
every time they tried to roll it back to the keeper, I noticed they were, the keepers were getting chased down because of the ball. By the time it got to the keeper, mm. I, I passed along the ground and started yeah. bouncing about two or three times, you know. So, yeah, good win for Inverness, Inverness Cali, though, and they'll look in the, in the driving seat for that one. And I've got to say, Tom, Cali, to me, look, look the team that are, are on the ball at this point in time. I'm, I, hopefully, our both will, you know, our both await the winners of that, of that game. But I'm just wondering how much that defeat to Kilmarnock has knocked Arbroath a wee bit. Uh, you know, yeah. when they were so close, so mm. close to putting themselves really in the driving seat for just the automatic place. Although Dick Campbell's a master at getting his troops rallied again, so I'm sure they'll be ready when it comes around. And they do have they do have the, the sort of advantage of the rest period, which is which is vital as well. Yeah, George. I mean, Bears obviously giving up the ghost, but you and I are still hoping for a Dundee win on penalties in the playoff final against our growth, <laughs> but Cali do look the form team, and that's often what carries you through. Yeah, they've been they have, they've been strong throughout the entire season. Not that I've looked at the top of the table very much this season, but been a Queen of South fan. Um, well, you obviously never looked because I heard them saying commentary that they went eleven games or something about like a win, and then they've won eight out of the last. I think, I think if you look at those yeah. games, though, I think going to the South fans not a bad yeah. run, right enough. I think that they were, they were their narrow defeats. They just lost a wee yeah, bit yeah. of momentum. It wasn't, yeah, wasn't, middle, it wasn't yeah. as if they had a real no. That's what I mean. They, they started off with yeah. decent, and, yeah. and they kind of brought it back. Logan Chalmers actually of this parish has mm. been a big part of that uh, player. I like a lot. There was actually a bit of uh, Dundee v United intrigue in that because Alex e. Kubiak on loan from Dundee was starting for Partick as well. So and Ian McCall was, and Billy Dodds were of course the opposing managers both have a rich yeah. history. Logan yeah. Chalmers is scoring the winner. Clubs. Look, Logan Chalmers is scoring the winner in the playoff <laughs> final against Dundee, isn't he? Just to cement <laughs> his that'll be him straight back in the first team at United <laughs> next season with hero status. And I don't know, I'm, I'm still I'm still thinking our both are going to do it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, must have, I'm in I'm in Bears Cali boat. Yeah. There's a there's a picture I don't want to conjure up in my mind. <laughs> but moving on swiftly, Montrose, Alan. They're in there with a great chance of making the final thing and having a shot at getting to the championship, which would be an ama- almost a an Arbroath-esque achievement. It's a Super result for them against Airdrie. Uh, Ian Murray's done a wonderful job with Airdrie this season. They play some lovely stuff. Um, really tidy football team, score some great goals. So don't underestimate just what a good result that 1-0-1 was at Lynx Park. And from what I gather, you know, they did have to overcome some periods of pressure, but were very much worthy of the three points. So they've given themselves a great, you know, a, a great platform, but at the same time, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't discount Airdrie at New Broomfield. That would be a, a, that ties absolutely in the balance. And yeah, you, they've then gotten whoever goes through. They've then got nothing to lose against Queens Park or Horton Fermlin because that one's still in the balance as well. Mm. We're discussing that for Hill Pitch. That <laughs> you know a second game in twenty four hours. So perhaps a nil nil draw is exactly what we should have expected from that one. I, I read some quotes from John Hughes this morning. You know, praising a, a dominant performance for from his team. Um, I, I find it rather saddening that the. Uh, the levels and the expectation of Dunfermline has fallen to the stage where um, you can describe a nil-nil draw against the team that finished fourth in League One as uh, dominant. Um, but that's that's where it is. Um, yeah. Then they now they're under pressure. Oh, they're under so much pressure. pressure. 
for the next game. It's difficult. Fa- fan expectations, yeah. nerves will kick in, mm. Tom, and uh, it's tough. It's tough for Dunfermline. I mean, and also in the back of their minds, look what's happened to Falkirk. Yes. Yep. Didn't even make the playoffs a full-time team in League Two, so that's League One is dropping into League One this season. It would be a disaster, not just financially and in Thanks terms for of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've never seen Queen of South for a while. <laughs> you think, think yourself lucky. I just try to put them in League Two. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, has I was going to double relegation. Like yeah. <laughs> genuinely, hasn't crossed my mind that Queen of the South will be in a promotion uh, next, next season. Me. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be such a tough league with John McLean's Falkirk and. Kelty, uh, Kelty, yeah. and whichever teams don't get promoted from this playoff shakeup, it's it's going to be a really tough uh, league. So it's not one that you'd want to be dropping into. And considering the heavy weather Dunfermline made of getting out League One, when there mm. were none of uh, those challenges, when it was a, a far more modest division financially, um, it would be a, a disaster for Dunfermline to go down. And yeah, we're discussing that pressure. The club, the manager, the players, everybody knows that it would be a disaster to go down and they'll do well not to have that on their shoulders when they step out on that kind of um, expectant East End Park knowing that they could be 90 minutes away from League One. It's a it's a tough position to be in. And heading back to Angus, Forfar still still got a chance of making it three Angus teams in playoff finals this year. That'd be good. That'd be good. Obviously we've got the connection up there. There's a lot of Ex Dark Blues involved up at Forfa. Um, Gary Irvin steering the ship at this point in time, and, and one nothing's not insurmountable, uh, certainly. Uh, and again, you you have to remember it's a, a, it was a long way down to Annan for part time players. Yeah, week, no, I, yeah. I, that's right. Yeah, so it, it, that, that ties in the balance. Uh, um, there's, there's there's no doubt about that. Uh, but it's, it's it's like everything. Sometimes just getting that advantage, and you've got something to hang on to, can make make it difficult for opposition time. So. Um, yeah, for will need to produce something. Of course, George, you, you'll be coming from that neck of the woods. You'll be rooting for Annan, who are now the big team <laughs> in that <laughs> area, aren't they? The big team. Did you know when the rugby ne- seven is never week? beaten us in their history? So. Yeah, but you're no, that's tempting. Oh, it's not many <laughs> games, like after the, after this season, you're now known as Queen of the Who. <laughs> Anna are a good team, actually. They're, they're, Queen of the Nell. Yeah, they've uh, <laughs> they've been uh, one of the success stories of the teams that have come into the league in, in the past few years, a couple of decades. They've really cemented themselves in the SPFL. And they've been very steadily at that level of getting in the playoffs the last few years. I think Forfra, well, as you say, the fancy their chances of overturning that, but Anna are a good team. I think I think that'd be a really interesting one, that one, at Station Park. Um, and obviously, it looks like they're going to be playing Edinburgh City uh, after they won 4-1. So Bit of a shock result. Yeah, it's wide open for for all the, the League 2 teams. So the the opportunity is there. And the great thing about Annan and Queen of the South, and it's already, unfortunately, two for Queen of the South, you guys can just... Go back to playing rugby if things don't work out, can't you? <laughs> I think we've been playing that this season. <laughs> That's been the problem. Right. Well, enough of that. I will we'll now go off here and I'll apologise to George or ask him to stop hitting me. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us. 
If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetelly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.